Hi, welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. I'm your host, Todd Broadbent. This podcast will be interviewing various teachers and educators who will be sharing their educational journeys, their ideas and thoughts on teaching and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. For the seventh episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast, I take a different spin with a Graduate Teachers Roundtable podcast. I interview four graduate teachers in Shelley Eaton, Laura Cole, Caden Antonovich and Nathan Walsh. Throughout this episode, all four outstanding teachers share their university and teaching journey and experiences and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Shelley. Hi, Todd. Hello, Laura. Hello, Todd. Hello, Caden. Hey, Todd. And hello, Nathan. Hey, Todd. Thank you so much, guys, for joining in today for a little bit of a different episode of the Toddcast today with a grad kind of round table. It's great to have uh, all four of you on the Toddcast today, and I look forward to kind of hearing your thoughts and ideas on teaching. Some of you in your first year, and then we've also got some all the way into their third year. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the Toddcast today, and I look forward to having a bit of a chat uh, about your teaching careers so far. So I'll get into it. Uh, and we'll start now. So, uh, Shelley, can you tell me about yourself, uh, what you teach and how long you've been teaching for? Okay, I'm a grade three, four teacher. Um, I've been teaching for nearly two years now. I guess a little bit of background on myself. Um, I'm a mature age, I guess you could say teacher. Um, I've got five children at home. So yeah, really busy trying to balance, I guess, um, work and home life. Beautiful. Thank you. Laura? I'm similar to Shelley. I'm a mature age grad. Um, I'm a first year grad. Sorry, this is my first year out. I'm a one-two teacher um, and I came into teaching later in life. My former life, I worked in education support with a local community health organisation and in early childhood for several years. Um, and I'm also a mum of two. Beautiful. Thank you. Caden? Yeah. Hey, Todd. I'm a prep teacher coming to the end of my third year teaching actually recently had a little baby girl um, myself. So um, that's been a new little mix to throw in there with, with um, the beginning of my teaching career and yeah, sort of love kids. I think they're awesome what they have to give and um, love sport and things like that as well. So. Excellent. And Nathan. Yeah. Thanks Todd. Yeah. I'm a bit of a later teacher to the field as well obviously 27 now so I'm in my second year currently um, teaching grade one two so this is the second time I've had grade one twos yeah really loving it I've had a bit of a background in early childhood and even as a teacher aide as well and now transitioned into my into my graduate years and um, no just really love it, loving it similar to what Caden says I'm enjoying the like enjoy teaching the kids and um, watching them grow and develop. So yeah, that's my biggest passion so far as a teacher. Yeah, beautiful. The great thing about all four of you here is you've all got different experiences. So yeah, great to hear that so far. So we'll start with you here, Laura. The reason that you decided that you wanted to become a teacher? I've always wanted to work with kids and I have in some capacity my entire working life. Initially, I actually wanted to go into social work or child protection, but I ended up getting into teaching 
and it just allows me to be that positive influence in um, children's lives and I really love to help them be amazed by themselves um, and doing new things that they never thought possible and I love knowing that I played some part in that. Yeah fantastic. Uh, Caden the reason you decided to become a teacher? Yeah so I was very unsure with what I wanted to do for me, starting off, number one was sport. I was I, I wanted to play sport as a career, as many, many people do. And that's sort of what I was chasing early on. Um, didn't quite get there. and um, But I always loved the idea of the structure around teaching, but also um, the freedom that comes with it. I know they kind of contradict a little bit, but as a teacher, I'm sure you can understand what I'm talking about there, which is which is really good. And, and I myself was a bit like um, Laura in in wanting to go down the well-being side of things because I love working with tough kids and the challenging ones um, and myself I went to probably six different primary schools just because we moved around a lot so yeah just that opportunity um, that comes with you know being at a school and having a good teacher is something that I sort of missed out and that's what even if a kid is there for a short term I want to make sure that they get the most out of that um, but same with the ones that get to have their whole journey there so yeah fantastic Nathan your reason you decided to become a teacher yeah I reckon I knew probably from an early age like from since I graduated high school that was probably the field I was going to go in and I was the most passionate about I think I just wanted to make sure that I got a wealth of experience before I, I dove straight into it. I think a lot of my friends went straight from high school and did their, their uni course and that was their journey. But I just felt like I needed a bit more experience. So therefore I did, yeah, like lots of work in early childhood and special education. And I felt by having those um, years under my ballots made me a better teacher now. And I feel I can use on those strengths as and just being a positive influence on the kids and making a difference with them. I think that's my main reason for becoming a teacher is not um, trying to be remembered as a great teacher but also just just trying to make sure I'm implementing like good behaviors for their for their whole life and that they can take with them for their whole life and um, hopefully make a difference somewhat in their life if I'm doing a good enough job hopefully so but yeah that's probably the main reason I became a teacher. Yeah fantastic and Shelly? I'm probably going to have to be very honest here and say Teaching isn't something I thought I'd never really get into. When I was at high school, um, I remember a friend saying to me, oh, when I leave, I'm going to be a teacher. And I thought, you're crazy. We've just done 13 years of this. Why would you want to go back into a classroom? And I left school and I, I sort of ended up in the travel industry and became a travel agent and really loved doing that. And later on down the track became a mum and I guess when my own kids started to go to school and I should say give you a bit of background I've got four boys and one girl um, my boys really struggled with education they were really challenged they just they weren't engaged and they would often come home with um, just lots of different issues and I guess seeing their struggles made me want to make a change I wanted to then go into schools and I guess these you know, influence these young boys, get them excited about education. So I guess, um, yeah, my kids probably influenced me the most to want to do it. And I guess just being that nurturing person in the classroom, you know, I'd, I'd experienced a lot of teachers myself that weren't positive influences. So I wanted to be that person that a student could come to, you know, if they had any 
any troubles or or challenges in their life I wanted to be that person that was understanding I guess so yeah it wasn't really initially where I thought I would be right now in my life but I can honestly say taking that step was probably the best thing that I ever did so yeah really excited about um I guess the future and what that holds yeah wonderful and they're all four fantastic stories there and I think all our children and students that are going to be taught by you in the years to come are very lucky with all those great stories and you're all great inspirations for joining into the teaching careers that you are now so well done for that next one that I want to go through is did you have any teachers throughout your schooling that inspired you we'll start with Caden with this one yes and no <laughs> so I there was reason I suppose why I become a teacher it sort of links a little bit together there so there was there was teachers that didn't inspire me at all um, and sort of pushed me the opposite way I wasn't a naughty kid at school by all means but my favorite part of school was recess and lunch I love getting out being in the yard being with my friends all that kind of stuff um, but I suppose if I if I did have a teacher besides you Todd when I was on my um, when I was a teacher's aide that um, when I was in primary school there's probably a grumpy teacher I suppose you would call them the, the teacher that all the kids didn't want to end up in their class and for some reason she took a liking to me she taught my older sisters and things like that and and she approached me in the classroom in a way that no other teacher sort of had like I mean I had lots of teachers that were kind of like oh all this kid likes to do is sport or PE or and, you know he doesn't really like and I didn't it didn't never came easy to me, I suppose, um, the classroom. I mean, inquiry learning was great. I loved the hands-on aspect and I could I could take my learning where I wanted that to go. And the other side of things, yeah, it didn't really come that easy to me, but she, I don't know, just approached it in a different way. And I, I think the way I could kind of see the way that she taught and why she was grumpy, I would suppose, or didn't allow kids to do what they wanted to do. And, and that really worked for me. That structure worked really, really well for me. But she also, yeah, validated me, I think, was was a big thing. And although I may not have been doing what I was supposed to be doing, but there was always a reason, you know, why why were you doing it that way? And and allowed me to have a bit of a, a bit of voice in, in a classroom as well. And then I suppose on the other side was I never wanted to be the teacher that that a lot of teachers that I come across and, and, and they all have their reasons and the way that they taught the way that they did. Um, and I suppose there will be teachers throughout my journey that would just be like, um, oh, I don't want to be in, you know, Mr. Antonovich's classroom, but I hope I have more so that say I'm a reason for whatever it is that they, they go and do or why they enjoyed that year with me or however long it, it can be. So, yeah. yeah. Wonderful comment. Uh, Nathan, did you have any teachers that in, that inspired you throughout your schooling? Yeah, I did. I had um, I was very lucky throughout my primary school and secondary school to have a number of teachers that yeah you connect with, and of course you don't connect with every teacher. That's just a part of personalities and everything. I ne never had any dislike towards any teachers, um, but I think if one really stood out was probably my grade two teacher. I think she actually had me for grade three as well. She was a bit of an older lady and had been at the school for a long time, and. I just really enjoyed the balance she had as a teacher. Like I look back now and probably reflect on it more than I did as a eight and nine year old, of course, but I think she got to know us as like just individuals. I think that was the main message I took away from it. She was quite an intimidating lady, but once you kind of got in her classroom, she really took the time to get to know you and then still had those expectations of the classroom that we knew that we couldn't 
like step out of line. But then she also had that real fun element in the classroom. Like we wanted to do well by her as well. Like we wanted to learn um, as well as we possibly could. We just listened to it. It was just a really healthy balance. I think it just come down to what I first said by getting to know us and actually taking that time. It wasn't something that felt forced. It just felt natural, I guess. And it's just something... I might like I'd probably speak for other I can't speak for other kids in that classroom. They probably had a different experience to me, but it just felt really like connected. We all felt really safe in our environment and just felt free to express ourselves. And I guess that's probably what I try to model my classroom off at the moment. So if I look back and think of a teacher in particular, it would be probably that teacher that I was lucky lucky enough to have for two years. So she was um she was great and it's something I try to try to emulate I actually think she's still teaching at the moment so it's a quite a good effort as well so um, I'll have to pop in and say, see her and maybe tell her to get on the podcast as well yeah give her a little shout out and have a listen at any stage <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it right. Shelly uh yeah very much like Caden and Nathan there's probably only one teacher that sticks out for me and um I just think her values as a teacher was something that stood out she was extremely nurturing um you know very approachable and and like Nathan said you know had that ability to build relationships with all students in the classroom and so you felt really valued as a student in her class and I think she would use sort of our interests to sort of form those beautiful teaching moments as well yeah I think your teachers are either remembered for being such fun beautiful nurturing people or they were the ones that were um, yelling and screaming I think I sort of went to school back in the day where teachers did yell and scream and you'd say oh that's Mr so-and-so screaming again or you'd hear him down the hallway and I think that's where teaching has, has really come a long way and, and changed. Um, but yeah, I'd say she probably had the biggest influence on, on me as a student. If I look at high school, you know, not a lot of my teachers were very memorable. So I think I probably wasn't getting that. You know, my needs weren't being met, I guess, by those teachers because, I, you know, I can't really remember much from that period. You know, learning was very rote learning sort of back in those days, you know, turn to page so-and-so and finish numbers one to seven. And, yeah, so I think just that one teacher, she's really probably shaped the way I am as a teacher. Wonderful comment. And Laura, did you have any teachers throughout your schooling that inspired you? I'm very much like Shelley. I came from an era of chalk and talk and really my grade six teacher probably stood out. Um, he was very funny, very likable um, and just he, you really felt seen and heard by him and I think that's really a common thread and it wasn't really until I sort of got to uni um, during my first degree where I had a lecturer Maureen O'Brien. I don't know if anyone ever came across her. She was a children's literature teacher and she really turned me into a bit of a crazy book lady. Um, I'm really passionate about children's literature as a result of her. So I think if I had to pick any teacher that really inspired me, it would have to be her. Yeah, excellent. And I think out of all four comments, the main thing that I keep hearing is relationships. It's the ones that build those really strong and positive relationships with you and with all students in the classroom. And I know from my experiences with all four of you that you'd be great at building those relationships as well with your students that you've got now. So excellent. Thanks there, guys. 
So we'll go into teaching a little bit more now. So is teaching what you expected? So you went through uni or I know some people had some different careers along the way before getting into teaching, but is teaching what you expected it to kind of be? We'll start with you, Nathan, for this one. Good question, Todd. Um, like it is, is it, and it isn't as well. Like, um, like I said, I had a bit of experience beforehand, like prior to becoming a teacher and I was able to work alongside some some great teachers along with yourself Todd so I think um, having that knowledge was great but I guess you don't really know what's expected until you're doing it and I think I was sitting when you're actually told you got the job and then you get there day one and you finish your first term and it feels like it's gone in the blink of an eye and then I think that's when you really notice what is expected of a teacher just the the mental strain and behind the scenes work that you just never switch off. Um, and I think it's really trying to find that balance of eliminate work from your personal life as much as you can as well. I found that was probably the, the thing I struggled with early. I think I just wanted to teach and I thought that's all I needed to do and which I was given a license to, but I still had to do all these other things behind the scene that I probably wasn't too much aware of. I just probably noticed that other teachers did it, but then you don't really know until you're in the box seat and you're doing it yourself. So I guess from a, from a workload point of view, it's definitely, it definitely catches you off guard a little bit, but it's like anything, like it's all, it's all part of it. It's all relevant. It's all stuff we need to do. And we, um, we have to do as well. And like you end up wanting to do it as well, I think. So I guess, yeah, I was, I had a bit of a knowledge before experiencing with other teachers, but you don't really know until you're in the box seat, like I said. So it is it is, and it isn't, Todd. Yeah, and I think uh, once you're in that position, you're then, as you're saying, you finally kind of realise. You, you can hear it so much, but until you're actually doing it, you're like, oh, yeah, there is a bit going on here. And I know when you were talking about your first day, I remember my first day hearing all the different acronyms and all this kind of stuff and getting all this information. I think I went to my office and I think I had a cry for about five minutes singing, I am not up for this job whatsoever I've got no idea what's going on but you've really just got to take it like one day at a time and you just you slowly learn things along the way that's for sure. Um, Shelley is teaching what you expected? Very much like Nathan yes and no. Um, I think when I started out you know a lot of people made the comments oh you're a mother you'll be fine you know what you're doing but it's just completely different being a mother and a teacher are just at opposite ends you know I think like um, Nathan said, just trying to find that balance initially was really challenging because um, you're trying to do the best that you possibly can. You know, you've been given this opportunity and um, you can tend to not switch off each night. So I, I, I found that challenging at first. You know, I sort of felt like, you know, I was neglecting sort of my home life to try and do really well um, at work. But it's been a really long journey, I guess, from when I first started to now. You don't know it all when you first start and, and you think that you're really prepared from what, I guess, uni sort of sets you up for. But when, when you step in that classroom, um, yeah, I think everything sort of changes and, you know, you're dealing with, you know, behavioural issues and, you know, someone who might not have had breakfast for the day or, you know, there's so much more. It's it's the wellbeing side of things. It's the teaching side of things. Some days, you know, I go home and think, oh, I didn't really have much time to teach today. You know, I was just sort of looking out for the wellbeing of these, you know, beautiful little kids. And, yeah, so yes and no. Yeah, very much like Nathan. 
Yep, excellent. Laura, is teaching what you expected? I know it's just your first year, but... I probably went in as a real, like with a real sort of pessimistic view as in like, I'm going to get slammed here. And I was prepared for the workload. I was prepared to never see my children. So if anything, it's been more positive. Um, um, I really thought it would be such, and I get told your first year is just so hard and it's sink or swim. And so I actually really feel that it's been a lot more positive just because of the mindset that I went in thinking this, this is going to be the death of me. Um, I haven't cried yet. So I always think that must be a great thing that I haven't cried. <laughs> um, and very similar to Nathan, I think working in schools prior to graduating and working with some amazing teachers and just what they showed me, um, that really allowed me to prepare myself for um, exactly what I was getting into. Yeah, wonderful. And Caden? Yeah, look, I don't think I can really speak too much different on this, but yes, it is. And, and no, it's not. Just like everyone said, I'm, um, you know, coming into my and finishing up my third year now. And is it what I expected? I, I still don't really know. Um, and do I really know what, what I was getting myself into, what there was to expect? I'm not sure. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I do really enjoy it. Like I like being challenged and I also love being able to do something different, like something that's monotonous would not, does not suit me to a T. So, and teaching's exactly that. You just don't know what you can go into your classroom one day and it will be completely different to the next. And then all of a sudden COVID's like, bang, here's this little trick too. So, um, I mean, I grow from all the experiences I have in a school every day and, yeah, I'm thankful for that. So um, is did I expect to get that out of teaching? I'm not really sure, but it is quite fulfilling in that sense. I was very lucky as well um, to work where Todd is um, for a couple of years as a teacher's aide. And what was really good about that, I suppose, I was given probably a little bit more um, trust or I was allowed, I was able to do a lot more than what other people were doing, I suppose, in my position. And I also built some great professional um, relationships and friendships um, through that experience so having that close connection with people who were already teaching gave me a great um, insight to what was going on and and um, I suppose I was treated a little bit like them and that and the, and the, they wouldn't shy away from it and they helped me in, in a in a in a different sense because they told me what what was to come or what was going on. And, and they also listened to me at the same time, if I had an opinion and that, that was really strong for me. So is it what I expect? I don't know still like I've gone around about way of saying that, but I am enjoying it. It is a challenge. It's tough, but so is everything. And, and yeah, I do, I do really enjoy being a teacher. Yeah. Wonderful. And I think particularly over the last two years, there's uh, you can't really expect anything at the moment, really. So <laughs> you guys have gone through as graduates, a pretty tough time to be dealing with COVID and, and all the restrictions and being in and out. So you guys are doing a wonderful job. I'm not sure if me being a grad would have been able to cope with that kind of aspect that you guys have been able to cope with. But you are right, Caden, that uh, every day is different. And I think that's the best part about our job that, uh, yeah, one day might be perfect. You think, oh, I can try that again. And then the next day it's, that doesn't work anymore. And you've got to go back to the drawing board and you think, oh, what can I do tomorrow? So I think that's a, the most exciting thing about our job that yes it's not the same thing every day that's for sure so we're going to talk about uh university here so do you think university has set you up to be a successful teacher 
And then the second part of that, could your university course have done anything to kind of improve and get better as well? Um, Shelley, we'll start with you with that one. Okay, so that first part to that question, I think yes and no. Um, I think there was a lot that I did learn and I was a little bit of a dork at uni, so I, I kind of really fully immersed myself in that whole learning experience. I hadn't been, you know, in any type of educational setting in a while. So, yeah, I felt like the fundamentals of teaching and I guess the um, pedagogies I learnt things like, you know, how to manage classroom environments and, you know, um, I guess the psychology behind behaviours and things like that, I learnt a lot about. Um, but I guess the hands-on experience that you receive during practice, I don't think anything could replace that. I think, you know, your hands-on learning and in hindsight, you know, and this probably comes into part of question two, I think there should be more time in the classroom for teachers. We do a lot of learning um, through a book, a lot of lectures, but I feel like um, to set grads up for success, they need to be spending more time in a classroom with students than, than at a university. You know, I know it used to be a three-year degree and now it's a four-year degree. Um, so I guess they try and jam-pack as much as they can into those years. But, yeah, I think that, that hands-on learning is probably the most beneficial part of of university and um I, th I guess when I was there I thought they were teaching me everything that I should know so that when I step into that classroom yep I'll know everything and everything will be fine but there's so much more and I guess you learn this while you are um, doing your rounds that every school is different so the models that each school are using are very different um, so, you know, what you learn at one school might not transfer to another school as well. So, yeah, I, I think yes and no. Like you do learn a lot about, um, I guess, kids and, and child behaviours and, you know, how to sort of set yourself up for success when you do enter that classroom. But, yeah, there's, I just think, yeah, hands-on hands -on experience, just nothing can replace that. Now, and I think over the, particularly the last two years, I know a lot of, university students have lost a lot of their teaching rounds which compared to what I kind of got going through and you guys kind of got going through is it's already decreased like I know a lot of the fourth years haven't actually had teaching rounds this year so I do feel for them a lot going into teaching next year that is for sure. Uh, Laura your thoughts? Very similar to Shelley. I think university gave me a really strong theoretical background. I got a lot of exposure to different theories um, and different practices, but it was really prac where you learn how to really hone those skills and put it to practice. And my last year was affected by COVID. And I know that grads coming through now, it's been a major impact. Um, you've had reduction in placement days. You have done it via remote learning. While remote learning is a great learning experience, it's not that hands-on classroom. You can't replicate that. And I think what universities could do is just really have more of that practical experience because that's where you put everything into practice and that's where you learn basically. So very similar to um, Shelley, you can't beat that real hands-on experience. Excellent. Caden? 
yeah, I can't really add anything to it, to more to what the girls have said. Um, the hands-on stuff, yes, um, is amazing. That's the most important part. But to answer the actual question of do you think university set you up to be a successful teacher? No, I don't really think it did. I think it was um, all of what I went and did myself with like in aid work and, and things like that and just getting into the schools and volunteering um, and, and speaking to people who are there and they're in the workforce and they're doing it like don't get me wrong there is some absolute beautiful people down at uni that help you so much and one of those people were Andrea Bacon I don't know if you guys come across her at all but she she was amazing she yeah she was unreal she helped me out a lot and and um and she sort of said to me you know you need to get out there and and do those kinds of things and, and experience it for yourself so um I understand why you need do what they do. Um, I, I get that. And um, they're teaching us in ways that they tell us not to teach, which is quite funny to start with. So um, sitting there having lectures and all that kind of stuff and all that theory, but it is good. It does give you an understanding and, um, and, it, and it sparks some interest as well. I suppose that you can go and you can look down too, but I mean, yeah, it's all outdated. <laughs> it's so outdated when you get into the schools, the stuff that they're teaching you. I don't think I, the only time it's ever spoken about um, is when it's joking, when we're joking about what, what uni told us to do or what, what they spoke on was the right thing to do. And I think Shelley might've spoke on how do you think they could improve the courses? Just, yeah, getting you out there and getting you, getting you into the schools and, um, and just, yeah, experiencing that firsthand is the best way to do that. Excellent. No, thanks for the honesty there. Uh, And Nathan. Yeah. Like I said, it's pretty hard to, to comment after these three guys like they've said everything I would have said anyway but I would just say like yeah similar to Caden like I don't think uni did set me up the way I probably would have envisioned it at the start I think I thought I was going to finish four years and go straight in there and be a fantastic teacher but it doesn't work like that you have to, I found quite early in my second year I think I went out and started working in early childhood and then started becoming a teacher's aide because I knew that's the best way I would learn and learn my craft and learn different teaching styles off other educators. And I found that was my best way to learn. And I think uni just didn't offer enough prac for us throughout our time. I think I think we'd all agree that when we're on prac, it was the, it was the best time to be there because yes, you'd have some tough days and it'd be nerve wracking at times with new kids, but it's where we learned. It's probably where we picked up some different habits that we still implement today. I know I still implement strategies from my first year of prac because I can just remember this teacher just doing some different things. So I understand why they do teach it. Like Caden said, I understand the theoretical background and the pedagogy that we need to learn it. It has embedded the way we teach today and I understand it is important and it's great to know, but I just think um, you can't go past experience and and getting in the classroom. I think, um, that's something that I just really hope uni would take on board and a university would just make sure that we're getting in classrooms, getting grads in classrooms and getting fourth years, third years and uni students in classrooms as much as they can because it's where we learn and um, it's where we feel comfortable. I feel I felt really comfortable coming into my first year because I knew I had that um, experience under my belt. And um, although it was daunting, I knew that I could um, yeah rely on that experience. So that's probably, I would just say, just include a bit more prac but yeah that's it yeah excellent I think from what you're all saying is more prac but I guess also I know some of you have also done a lot of teaching aid stuff as well which is fantastic and I think the best thing about that is you actually get to see the teaching theories and the practices in the classroom and then you do trust oh yep that that does work or I think getting to see it 
and seeing it work in a classroom is the best learning experience for you instead of sitting in a lecture and listening to it all that's great you, as you've all said you do need to learn that but i think the opportunity of getting to see it and seeing it being successful in a classroom is you're like oh yeah oh, i'll note that down i can use that when i'm in my classroom kaden yeah i just to the last part of that question about how could they improve it well i mean you, you have your your pracs but uh, the university could also um, work with schools in trying to get um, you know third and fourth year teachers in whether it is unpaid or paid aid work which i suppose it's like volunteering but um, just when the opportunities are there because I know as a prep teacher the first three weeks I will take any aid any volunteer that will come in there because you know there's so much to sort out um, so yeah just having people flow in in and out of school that is that is a way that they could improve it and and I know they say go out and get that yourself but it's it's not always so easy to do that um, if you don't have the connections so um, I mean it's not prac but hey it could land to jobs um, yeah and it's helping the schools out. Yeah, great idea. I've always thought of the idea. I'd love to see fourth years have a whole year at a school. And if it is, they rotate around grades, that's fine. Or if they're in the one grade for the whole year, as you're saying, Caden, I'd love some extra support in prep, that's for sure. But I, I think that would be a great option that, yeah, you do the three years of uni and then you have that full year uh, before going then into, into a classroom. So yeah, great ideas, guys. Thanks for the honesty there as well. So do you have any tips for any uni students at the moment? about to start their teaching career. Laura? Pretty much get yourself out there. Um, even with prax, I always put my hand up after prax saying, can I come in one day a week? And that's how, that's how I ended up getting aid work. I was offered aid work from that. And just really for tips for new grads is just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask really silly questions and trial new things and just put yourself out there. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to walk away from a lesson and go, oh my God, what did I just do? Um, but you'll learn from it. And, and it's really just putting yourself out there and not being afraid to do it. That would be my biggest tip. Yep. Excellent. Caden? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. Um, build yourself a network um, of people that are currently in teaching and, and trust yourself, I suppose. Um, I like to talk. So I think that suited, <laughs> suited me going in because I was happy to have a conversation um, with anyone that would listen, but um, I built a network that was trusting to me. And um, I, I liked being challenged by those people um, in a respectful way. And they also respected my opinion um, as well and liked to hear what I had to say. So I, I soaked those things in and then I went into the classroom, but I still, I sit, I think in saying that like you got to, when you have those conversations and, and you listen to what they say, you still need to trust your gut and take the conversations um, and go in, have a go yourself and learn from that experience. And then you can go back and reflect and say, oh, you know how you said this or, you know, I did this instead, but I found it didn't work or it did work and you can have those conversations. So you, you've got this far like you're not going to you don't want to go in and be the same teacher as everyone else is or you you know you don't just want to be what what the books tell you to do or what what everybody else is doing because then what what does that make special about you and and how do you expect yeah yourself to grow personally but your kids to grow when all you're trying to do is be a carbon copy of everyone else that's around because we don't need that in schools. Um, you need that personality in there and your ideas. So back yourself, have confidence and um, build a strong network, I think. Excellent. But don't be a know-it-all. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Nathan? Yeah, no, similar to what 
yeah, Laura and Caden have said already, I think it's about just trying to make sure you're getting good habits throughout uni. It's, it's easier said than done. Like uni, can when you've only got a few classes a week, you can get into bad habits and um, that's understandable. But trying to make sure you're getting good habits and, and be, be a bit different to everybody else. I think it's so easy just to coast through uni and, and just dot the I's and cross the T's and just and coast through and then get to the end of your fourth year. And you're going up against a really your whole competition basically. So you want to make sure you're getting good habits and, and putting your best foot forward like the other two have said. So going out and um, having a bit of courage and bravery and being vulnerable enough to go out and, and talk to talk to schools or network like Caden said and, and try and get a good base around you because at the end of the day, you you are looking for a job at the end of the day. That, that's why we're doing it and that's why we pay a good amount of money to go to university as well. So we want to make sure we're getting a good habits and, I guess trying to remain organised. I think that's probably the main one I took out of uni. I think I, I wasn't quite organised enough as a teacher throughout uni. I think I was just probably a, a step behind there. So getting good habits for remaining organised and just being brave enough to to back yourself and trust that yeah, I want to be I want to be a good teacher. I want to be professional and um, not just through your third and fourth year when it's starting to get close, but implement those good habits early on um, because that'll make you stand out. And um, I think that doesn't mean just good grades it means um getting that experience and networking and and doing all those right things and hopefully time will fly for those four years so yeah great advice thank you and Shelley a lot's already been said but I'll just kind of piggyback off um some of your ideas but um I think yeah just fully immersing yourself in the experience of both university and prac are really important I think when you are on prac, it's, it's an opportunity to sell yourself. It's almost like a job interview whenever you go in there for those um, short periods of time. You want to be remembered. You want to be that person where they say, oh, yeah, remember that person we had in our classroom? Yeah, they would be great. So I know, you know, I got my job from I, I was working where I was in my final year and, you know, built a really great relationship with my mentor teacher and I think she was um, probably the reason why I got my job at my current employment place but yeah I think it's an opportunity for you to like everyone else was saying um, just go out there show them what you've got what can you bring to the school you know why should they employ you at the end of the day so yeah a lot of what's already been said but yeah just fully immerse yourself enjoy it yeah sell yourself yeah, excellent. And all uh, wonderful uh, tips there, guys. And I think, yeah, really important what you were just saying there, Shelley, is that every prac is like a job interview, really. Um, it's an opportunity to put your foot in the door and get talked about. And I think a lot of uh, people forget that a lot of schools talk as well to one another and find out information about certain uni students. So uh, just make sure that, yeah, you put your best foot forward and do your best you can the whole way through. That is for sure. Excellent. Well done there, guys. And what about the best way your mentor can support you? We'll start with you there, Caden. So when you're in a job and you're in your school, uh, you might have one or two mentors. What's the best way you think they can support you? Probably similar to what I was saying before about um, challenging you. I think it's not, not allowing you <laughs> to think that, you know, everything's absolutely peachy, everything's going fine, you don't have anything to work on. Um, but that comes from, I suppose, building that trust. And like I said, that re the relationship, the network between them is you need to ask the tricky questions and you also need to approach them. Yeah, like not, I suppose, not being vulnerable, but just being open um, and understanding that, you know, I mean, I've grown so much and 
you know, I'm only finishing my third year. So I've still got so much more growing to do, but I, I see grads that come in at the moment and I think oh, I'm at, I've made that mistake before, but whether or not they're, they're sort of talking to their mentor about it or, or, you know, um, yeah, just approaching them as well as hoping that you've built that relationship, but they're comfortable enough to come and, and talk to you about it. And, and if you're not being, I suppose, if you're receptive to the way that they, they give you feedback and reflective on your own practices and you've got that strong relationship between your mentor, I mean, everything should just flow flow nicely. What can they really do is just be there for you, like I said, be open, um, yeah, talk and, and challenge, I think, yeah. Yeah, I love that comment about being open to that feedback and, and both ends. The mentor needs to be as as well as as you and listening and taking it on. And as you were saying before, you don't have to do everything that is suggested or you might change a little bit to suit you as a teacher and suit your class as well. But yeah, great advice there. Nathan, best way that mentors can support you? Well, I'm quite quite lucky, Todd. Like my mentor goes above and beyond here ever since I started. Like she's, um, I'll give her a shout out, Simone. She's uh, an absolute legend like she's um she's had 25 years experience as a teacher and like I'm happy to call her like one of my really closest friends now she's just um I think we've gone through a lot through it with each other over these last couple of years becoming a teacher in a COVID year it's not easy um and it's something that's new to her as well so I think we've really we've really relied on each other I think a lot and we've got to know each other a lot more than I guess I thought I would have got to know my mentor I thought I would have probably just come to them for advice when I needed it but now I go for for personal things as well and like we we talk we text we call all the time and I think that's something that I've really enjoyed but as Caden said she's also there for me um to make me better and she wants to make me better and um she's happy to give me feedback and I'm happy to seek it as well I think um and she's happy to be honest with me and I think we're just we're just open with each other like Caden said and we're happy to um to speak our truth and not in a, a nasty way, but just in an open way and a, have a professional conversation and, and also have a bit of a laugh at the end. So I guess to answer your question, I think it's just being there for each other. It really is, especially in, in the current climate we live in. Um, now, I'm, like I said, I'm, I might be different to other people where I have a very supportive mentor. And, but I think it's just having treating people the way you want to be treated. Like I know like, she's treating me with respect and um, wants me to succeed and I want the best for her as well. So... Um, although we're at two different stages of our careers, I think um, we had that mutual respect for each other and she wants me to be better and I want her to um, not be better. She's always pretty good at the moment. I don't have a lot of advice for a 25-year-old veteran for a teacher, but um, but I think just being, yeah, being open and um, that's all we can really do. And yeah, like I said, I'm very, very lucky at the school I'm at with the, with the mentor I've got. Yeah, love hearing that. That's awesome. Great to hear. Uh, Shelley? Uh, once again, I'm just really lucky that I work with such an amazing group of colleagues that I've probably built a lot of probably formal and informal mentors um, over the past couple of years. Um, and I think like the boys mentioned, just building your relationship is really important at the beginning. I know sometimes it can be really daunting to receive um, feedback from a colleague, um, but if you do build those relationships, I guess you're more willing to, to take on that feedback and, and be receptive. Um, but I think what my mentors have done for me 
over the past couple of years is probably build my confidence as a teacher because I know at the start, you know, um, you learn so much at uni and on placement and then you put it into practice, but you're still kind of questioning yourself, am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? Am I doing the best job? So they really gave me the confidence and I guess that really boosted me as a teacher in, 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 the, in probably that first year especially. But, yeah, I think getting to know them personally as well has probably helped build, build those positive relationships with, with my mentors. And I guess, you know, when you're in that position to be a mentor, it's, you know, you've got to place people who I guess maybe are a little bit like-minded together and you know that they're, they're going to gel or, yeah, get along, I guess, because I think it would be really, really challenging as a grad to go into a school and not have that support. So I've been extremely lucky, you know, whether it's, you know, after school, having a chat, having a bit of a debrief, or if, I, you know, I'm feeling a little bit low to be able to ring ring my mentor or, or ring um, somebody just to let them know, look, I've had a really bad day and just someone to kind of boost you just to keep you going, I guess. We all get a little bit flat sometimes. So, yeah, I think having your people, having your tribe in a school is really important. Yeah, wonderful. And Laura? Oh, I can't really add a lot to what's been said. Um, again, it's just building those relationships and, and having people check in on you um, and knowing that they care and that they want you to be the best teacher that you can be. Just be a sounding board for my crazy ideas and questions. Um, I come up with some dumb questions, but knowing that they're not going to judge me for it that I'm just there to learn and to grow and having them support me to do that. I've just gone through my VIT and I found that experience really valuable, just um, observing a really experienced teacher that's an absolute gun at what she does. And that was amazing for me. And then having her come in and observe me, I got so much great feedback from that. I would love more of that. That would be something that I would really like a, a lot more of because I found that process so valuable. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Uh, all great advice there. So this one is a little bit similar. Let's see if you've got something else. I know it's a bit challenging for particularly the last person who's got to go in this uh, in each question here, but you're doing a great job, guys. Uh, what type of support do you feel perhaps is missing as a grad? And how can experienced teachers do better at providing this help as well? Uh, Nathan, do you want to start with that one? Yep, no worries. Um, I think it's hard to answer the support one because I guess I'm quite lucky in the fact that I'm very well supported from, um, from last year. Then we had a leadership change at our school, even from this year. I can't fault the support I've had. Like I know it's maybe a different experience for other grads out there, but I know just, I felt like I've, they've just kind of let me, let me be me and um, then teach and, and then give me honest feedback when I need it. And like the support through it, through COVID has been unbelievable like I really couldn't it just doesn't stem from my mentor but from my all the team and colleagues as well so I wouldn't mind some support around um acronym training that's that's one that I definitely um need some help on that is just um, a nightmare to deal with acronyms I think I'm learning new ones every day but um on a serious note I think the support is just it's incredible I, I can't really fault the support from our leadership um here at my school and in terms of experienced teachers I think to answer your second question, at uh, better at providing help. I think just letting us into classrooms. I think I know I know some ex experienced teachers can get a little bit daunted by 
having us grads in there thinking that we're watching and analyzing everything. But um, I think we're just there to learn. Like we really are. Like even if we have a teaching currently, like I know I go around to a couple of classrooms at my school and just allowing us to come in and, and learn. Like we're not going to pick apart your lesson. We're there to listen and to take notes and reflect and obviously apply in our, in our teaching as well. So in terms of support, apart from the acronyms, I think I'm pretty good um, with support. And then, yeah, experienced teachers, they do. Um, I've got a great network around me at the moment and a great sounding board with all the staff at the moment. So it's quite hard to answer that question. Sorry, Todd. I probably, um, I don't know if I've given any negative feedback on support, but um, but no, like I said, I'm really lucky and really blessed where I am. So, Well, that's a good thing, Nathan, that you have no feedback to give because obviously it's uh, all going really well for you at your school. So that's a good thing. And acronyms, I eight years in and I don't know them all. So don't worry. <laughs> uh, Shelley, have you got anything to add for that one? Oh, look, not really. I'm probably very much like Nathan. I'm really spoiled at my current workplace with my mentor. And the only thing I could probably say is from last year, my first year to my second year, our school sort of um, put together a grad program, which we didn't have last year, which I found extremely valuable this year, you know, taking you through things like, you know, report writing and yeah, just those little things. So having that actual grad program where we catch up, you know, once a month, I think has been really valuable. I didn't have that last year and I can't say that, you know, I, I missed it, but um, knowing, you know, how valuable that's been this year, um, it's something that I would, you know, suggest continues for those grads coming through. Excellent. Laura, anything that you can add? Very similar to Shelley, just especially being my first year, it was amazing to come in and, you know, when you're on prac, you're trying, you've, you've only got to take a few observations and things. So trying to organise my assessments and things like that was a daunting experience. Um, and just having people go, here, this works for me. This is how I collate this. Here's a resource that works really well. And just um, being able to share your experience and your resources and your ideas. Um, and you, I grab whatever I can take and then I work out what works for me. And I tweak it um, and, and make it work for me in a way that's practical. Um, so really, it's just being open to sharing all your tips and tricks, um, tips on behaviour management and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, wonderful. And Caden, anything you can add? No, nah, not really. I won't, won't take up everyone's time by pretending to add something different. So I'll just say I think these three have answered it spot on. And um, that last one there from Laura was a, a, very, a very valid point, I think, sometimes teachers can become very um, protective over things. And I, in the nicest possible way, it's kind of a selfish thing because if that works in the classroom, why wouldn't you want everybody to have that? Or, you know, if that's something that you've done, um, be proud of that in the sense of then giving it out and watching other people use it and tweak it and modify it, you know, all those kinds of things that then just, it might just help that one kid, but hey, isn't that an amazing thing? And the reason why we do it in the first place. So um, I think just being willing. And if you're not somebody's mentor, it doesn't mean you can't speak to them or you can't go, or you can't share ideas or you can't do that. So just a willingness and, and the want to, to help people around you and um, yeah, grow yourself, I think. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Thanks there, everyone. We'll do a quick one here. Uh, best and worst part of teaching. Shelley? All right, I'll start with the worst so I can finish with the good. So probably worst part 
is probably just behavior management at times um, can be quite challenging. But, you know, apart from that, or probably your long hours when you're doing your report writing as well, they're not fun sometimes. But the good, there's so much. Um, You could write a, a very long list about all of the great things. But I guess it's, to me, it's just the kids, the relationships you build. And I think that's probably become more apparent to me during remote learning. You know, when I walk into that classroom when we haven't been on site for, you know, a month and the smiles on their faces, it's just, um, it's priceless. You know, they're all coming, running up to give you cuddles and things like that. And you're like, move away, you know, COVID and you're trying to kind of do a side cuddle. But um, yeah, I think the relationships that you build with the kids and the parents as well, um, you know, it's lovely to go for a walk on the weekend and see one of them and you get the, hi, Mrs. Eaton. And, you know, my kids go, is that one of your students, mum? You know, so building those relationships with the kids, I think is probably one of the best things. Um, I just think you're a lifelong learner as well. So keeping my brain active and continually learning, learning new strategies. Um, you know, I think I love that sort of stuff. So it's really great. And some of the stories that the kids tell you, you know, I'd love to write a book about everything they come up and tell me because, you know, it's just priceless. And I think during remote learning as well, you're seeing a lot more of the kids' work and and what they're writing and, and um yeah, some of it just absolutely makes my day. So, yeah, it's a very rewarding career, I think. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, Laura, best part and worst part uh, of teaching? It's all been amazing and very similar reasons to Shelley. It's just been building those relationships with my students, my families and my colleagues. I think I've landed in a, such an amazing school and I feel really lucky. And I just feel like I've, I've found my thing in, in, you know, later in life and what I'm meant to do. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, love coming to work every day, which I don't think there's many people that can say that. The worst, I suppose, being a first year grad, it's that job uncertainty, especially this time of year. That's probably the worst, just knowing, you know, going for those contracts every year. That's, that's a pretty daunting prospect. And that's probably what I would say would be the worst. Excellent. Kaden? Worst part about teaching, uh, I, I don't know, like sometimes the worst parts are I can't, like they're in the classroom, the worst parts, they seem worse at the time, but they kind of give you laughable moments or things you can go away with and they're, they're not really that bad. I mean, like when you look at like the, the sort of more gross things, like when kids are sick in the classroom or, you know, just whatever it may be boogers here or there and you think oh what am I doing sort of thing but you kind of go home and and you can have a laugh about that and it's not really that bad um at the end of the day I mean a lot long hours and reports I don't know I don't think I've come across anyone yet that goes oh report writing time how yeah like woo, love this sort of thing and I'm certainly not that person either I don't like report writing at all um but so that's probably the worst which isn't which isn't too bad and then yeah, the best part, the relationships you get professionally and, um, you know, outside of school as well. The holidays are always great, but I remember Beck was talking about this earlier too and people always like, oh, you get holidays, yada, yada, yada. And Beck was a little bit probably nicer than what I say and she responded with, if you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Or I'm more like, you know what, we've earned it. You know, I don't get paid to go on school camps. I don't get paid for the grade 
um, prep one, two, sleepover. <laughs> um, you know, I don't get paid to sit there and write reports and I miss out on time with my family, which is probably something that's come a little bit, that's probably the worst really, which has come more to light now having a little bub myself is that, you know, when I'm doing a report or when I'm thinking about someone else's child and, and they have a go at me the next day, not realising that I didn't actually get to, you know, bath my daughter or I didn't get to give her dinner or something that night because I was so busy doing something else. Yeah, they don't they don't understand that. They not actually realise that we don't get paid for that. I think I went for a run with a mate the other day and we we're talking about it and and um he said, Oh, really? I thought you got paid like the, the whole twenty-four hours you were there. And I was like, No, no nothing changes around to say that's the way it is. Um, so I've earned the holidays and I'll take those holidays and and they are a part of the job and they're great because on the flip side of the time I missed out on, that's time I get to spend with my family. So yeah. Excellent. Great comments. And Nathan? Yeah, pretty similar to everyone else's. Um, the best part for me is just seeing the students walk in. It really is. It sounds a bit soppy, but it is like, I think after being a teacher in a pretty COVID world, like let's be honest, that's what it's been so far. Like it really does. I do enjoy the simple things now of just seeing the kids. Yeah, I love seeing them walk in and being with them and, and teaching them. Like I sit back sometimes now starting term four and just even if they're just doing something collaboratively or individually, I think, oh, it's just, I'm lucky to be here. Like I really am. Like, so that's probably the best part. And then like connecting with families and, and colleagues is, um, yeah, it's, it's all a part of it as well. But yeah, I love seeing the students in the morning and the stories and the, the things they come out, come out with the teaching grade one too. It is just, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It makes your day. It really does. I guess the worst part is I think just trying to make sure of, maintaining that balance as I mentioned earlier I think sometimes something might happen in your day and you take it home with you and you just stew on it and stew on it I think that's probably the worst part I find personally I think trying to make sure I I leave it at school and not let it affect my personal life I think sometimes that it's easy said and done though I think we've all probably been in a situation where we can't sleep at night because something's happened at school or we've um, or something like that. that's probably the one aspect that I I don't I don't enjoy the most but for the most part, it's great. And I, I try to make sure that I'm I'm staying in a good mind frame with it all, but we're only human and things affect us. So, and um, like we are teachers, but we're humans as well. So I think that's probably the worst part, but it's, it's just very small negative on what is a pretty great career. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, wonderful. Yes, I know uh, I've woken up a few times, like at the middle of the night, and you just have that sudden thing, like thinking of something that you need to do tomorrow or something you forgot you should have done or whatever it might be, or not a great incident. You have a bit of a nightmare about it. But yeah, it is, as you've all said, it is a fantastic job and we're all very lucky to be in the profession that we are. So just to finish off, guys, we're going to play a quick little game called Todd's Quick Questions. We'll go around nice and quick. I'll ask you uh, a simple question and it might be one or two things and you just got to pick one suits you. Because we're in a bit of a group, there might be a bit of conflict here. It's all, it's only just been one person. So we'll see how we go with this one today. And I won't, I'll, I won't pick a winner. I normally say the person wins, but I won't pick a winner in this one, I don't think. Uh, so we'll start with the first one, coffee or a cocktail. We'll start with you first, Nathan. Coffee, every day of the week, Toddy. Um... If I don't have my morning coffee, then I'm going to be a very grumpy teacher. So coffee for the win. Love it. Laura? Oh, it depends on the day. Um, probably coffee. <laughs> Excellent. Shelley? I'm going to say a cocktail only because I don't drink coffee. I'm a tea drinker, so I'll go cocktail. Excellent. And Caden? 
the only time I have coffee is if it's in an espresso. I don't, <laughs> I don't drink coffee and um, yeah, neither do I drink tea. That might be in a Long Island iced <laughs> tea or something. But yeah, no, cocktail for me, for sure. The theme was coming through there, Caden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coloured pen, we'll start with you here, Caden. Blue, black or red? Yeah, um, black, I think. Black it is, and I agree with Beck, and sorry if I offend any of the others on here. If you're using a red one <laughs> with the kids, um, maybe change the colour. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Shelley, coloured pen? Uh, I'll go blue, just for the sake of someone else has chosen black. <laughs> I'll, go black or, I'll go black or blue. Uh, Laura? black I don't like blue pens so I always go always pick a black one excellent and Nathan um this might infuriate a few people on the on the panel but I uh I kind of grab what I can get type of fella so um it could be a rotation of three of all colors so the black blue or the red um probably if I had to lean between one of them I'd probably be a black pen though I think excellent Next one is, would you rather deal with a photocopier jam or the printer runs out of ink? Uh, we'll start with you again, Nathan. Photocopier jam, for sure. I've thought about that one long and hard, Todd. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a challenge to fix it. I feel like something I can fix and I've done before and conquered before. So, um, and printer running out of ink, I don't think I could fix that. I think that's more of a high up fix that one. So I've done the photocopier jam before, so I reckon I'm going to choose that one. Excellent. I'm not sure I want to ask you here, Laura, but which one would you prefer? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm doomed either way, aren't I? Um, maybe a jam. I could I could possibly work that out. But, you know, I'm coming to you, Todd, saying help. <laughs> yep. Uh, Shelley? Oh, I'm a bit like you, Laura. I'm like a damsel in distress when this happens. And I'll print every other printer in the school before I try to fix a paper jam or fix the toner so yeah sometimes I'm printing to your room Todd sometimes the office sometimes a three four department depending on yeah which one works for the day <laughs> excellent now I know the person who just leaves the photocopier jam <laughs> uh Kaden yeah I'd go photocopier jam I think we <laughs> Yeah, I had a bit of an incident I think it was earlier this year with is it the toner that goes to like the powder stuff yeah, so I attempted to fix um, a toner issue that we had and I, I pulled it out and I decorated the office in black, pink, blue, purple, including myself. Um, and then I went and found a vacuum cleaner that we happened to have in the school and vacuumed it up and I wrecked that as well. So um, I'll go with a photo um, coffee and jam because less mess, hey? <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. Uh, teaching on a full moon or a windy day. We'll start with you, Caden. Um, full moon because I love crazy kids. I think, yeah, I reckon a naughty kid or what some people would class as a naughty kid, I find to be unreal I think they're amazing um and there's always reason behind it so if there's if it's you know if it's a day that's running smooth why not have a bit of crazy in there with the full moon and wind just annoys me if I've got to go on yard duty so yeah um you might get a bit sunburnt though by a full moon on yard duty um Todd but <laughs> very true uh <laughs> Shelly full moon or a windy day 
Well, I really love Caden's comment about the crazy kids. I think that's awesome because I'm a bit the same. I love a little bit of excitement. I don't know, really. I'm just going to say I can always tell when it's a full moon. Like I can tell, you know, if it's coming up, I'll walk into the staff room and say, is it full moon? Because something's going on. Um, I'm going to go full moon, I think. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Laura, full moon or a windy day? I'd probably go full moon as well. I love a little bit of crazy. And even with the full moon, we can we can always do something silly like howl at the moon. I love being a bit silly with my students. So I would take full advantage of that. <laughs> and Nathan? Yeah, full moon for sure, I think. Um, yeah, I don't like teaching on a windy day. You book out at least a good half an hour to an hour just to get your kids settled. But I like a bit of quirkiness, a bit of craziness here and there. Windy days, oh, you just... I mean, as soon as you see it's windy or you check the forecast in the morning, you know you're going to be in for a rough one. So teach it on a full moon for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, last couple. Whiteboard marker, are you a bullet tip or a chisel tip, Nathan? Good question. I know it's one debated amongst the teacher field. I've even um, asked a few teachers today. They know they knew I was on the podcast, so I did a bit of, bit of recon beforehand. I'm a bullet tip man. Um, but like I said, with the pens, I could grab a chisel tip and it wouldn't really bother me. So um, I'm a left-hander as well. So um, the bullet tip, I find a lot more better structure-wise. Otherwise, I'll just smudge the whole whiteboard. So yeah, bullet tip for me. Excellent. Laura? Yeah, bullet tip as well. I seem to write neater with it. I'm sort of a bit, I don't know, it looks a bit wobbly and shaky using that really fine point on the chisel tip. Mm -hmm. Shelley? I love a chisel tip. I'm just going to yeah put that out there. I think like my anchor charts, if I try and write in a bullet tip, they look terrible. But a chisel tip kind of hides my imperfections of my writing. So, yeah, chisel tip all the way. I like it. Caden? Uh, I'm, um, I'm a bullet tip. I, I can't seem to get my my fats and skinnies right on the on the chisel tip. Some letters have the fats in the wrong places and and the skinnies in others, and it doesn't quite match throughout. So if I stick to the bullet um, tip one, by the time yeah she's fattened out on on the whiteboard, it, it little all looks the same then. So love it. Okay, and last one. Uh, would you rather tie wet shoelaces or wipe a runny nose, Caden? Okay. This is gender different. So if I've got a girl, a wet shoelace because, well, we all, <laughs> I think we, we can figure why. If it's a boy, I'm not going near shoelaces and the next closest person or go to the yard duty teacher is a good one. So find someone on yard duty, they can do it for you. Um, so a young, a young man's sh wet shoelace can wait till someone else can do it or, or mum or dad can do it. Um, which is with COVID's been really good because there's hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, although, yeah, a nice decent runny nose is is enough to turn you away too. But it's a bit gross, really. Both of them, <laughs> when you think about it. But um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go the wet shoelace because I can just pretend that it is just wet from water. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> mind mind over matter. <laughs> uh, Shelley. Oh, I find in three fours, most of them can blow their nose. Like they're pretty capable of that. But there is still a lot of kids in three four that can't tie their shoelaces. And I've been caught off guard many a times when someone said, can you tie my laces? And I've gone to do it and they're wet and just 
the thoughts running through my head at that point. So look, I don't think, oh look, I don't know. I think that like Caden said, they're both disgusting, but I probably tie more laces than I do runny noses. Probably prefer that to be honest. Excellent. Uh, Laura? I would have said a runny nose, but with COVID, um, I don't know, I'd probably go a shoelace. I'll, I'd take my chances with that more than a snotty nose at, at this point in time. Yep, fair enough. And Nathan? Yeah, I was probably going to lean towards runny nose having an early childhood background, but I reckon I've changed my answer to wet shoelaces just because I feel like I have a background of chain, like doing wet shoelaces more, like if that makes sense. Like it's a weird scenario, but I know like, playing football and playing in the rain. I feel like I've tied my fair share of wet shoelaces before. Um, so I know the texture that's coming up, if that makes sense. It's a weird, it is very weird, but I've thought about it before. And that's probably the reason I've had more experience with a wet shoelace than I have with a, a runny nose. So I think that's why I would choose wet shoelace. I, I'm actually um, married to Nathan's sister. Um, so I've got a good insight with him and I can let you know that he actually still wears Velcro shoes. So um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about tying up the shoelace for his answer there. Just a light little stitch up for him there, poor Nathan. Uh, but uh, I love your thought process there, Nathan, that uh, just thinking of the wet shoelace in your head and thinking about why it could be. So that's that's all right. I accept that answer. I will give everyone the win there. So well done. Even though I didn't agree with all of them, I'll give everyone the win there. So well done there, guys. Thanks for joining in with that. And that is actually the end of the Toddcast, the grad roundtable. But um, thank you so much, guys, for jumping on board today. I know it's been a bit of a long podcast today, and I do appreciate your time because I know you're all busy and you'd rather be doing other things. But it's been great to hear your insights and your thoughts on teaching so far. And I know we've got some first, second and third year grads. So it's great to get some different perspectives as well throughout. But I think, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys. So thank you so much for coming on. So thank you, Nathan. Really appreciate you coming on today. No, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Um, you're doing excellent work with this podcast. Um, I've been an avid listener every week. So um, no, great to be a part of it. Yeah, hopefully we can um, yeah shed a bit of light on the inside of yeah, some graduate teachers out there. And um, yeah, so no, thank you for making me be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for the kind words. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Todd. And thanks guys too for joining me. Um, it was really good to hear your perspective as well, especially being a first year to know what I'm in for in subsequent years. Beautiful. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Shelley. Thanks, Todd. I won't say much more, but yeah, I think you're doing an amazing job and well done for putting yourself out there. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Shell. And thanks, Caden. Nah, no worries, mate. Thank you very much. And hopefully we run into each other at a Christmas party this year. That would be great, mate. I'd love to. <laughs> and that is the end of episode seven of the Toddcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the grad roundtable one. A bit of a different one today for our seventh episode, but it was great hearing from Shelley, Laura, Caden and Nathan today. I look forward to you joining me for episode eight of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. See you later.